We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. Welcome back to another episode here of Setting the Pace. I'm your host, Alex Golden, and joining me now is Michael J. Focci. The J stands for Javon. What's going on, Focci? Hey, I hope that's J- my boy Javon Carter coming It is. Up. Oh, there we go. Hey, this is what they call chemistry out here. But, man, I- I'm <laughs> doing well, but unfortunately, I'm doing better than our Indiana Pacers lately. Alex, the last two games, or life without Halliburton, has not been the kindest. No, it hasn't. The Pacers are on a three-game losing streak, if you count the game against the Knicks when Halliburton went out. And now they have fallen all the way to the eighth spot in the playoff race, so that is definitely not the direction they want to be going. And they had themselves an opportunity on Friday night to take a team that's, you know, in the ninth seat, I believe, the Atlanta Hawks, and they're, you know, inching up closer to the Pacers, and they get a tip-in by John Collins to win the game at the buzzer. Uh, just uh, just a fun back and forth game between Trey Young and Benedict Mather and Fachi, but unfortunately the Pacers on Friday night could not pull this one out. This would have been a quality win when you're talking about no Halliburton, no Miles Turner, no Aaron Neesmith. It felt like if the Pacers could have grinded out this W, it would have been like, hey, you know what? This team's got they got grit and they're going to be all right. But losing that, it it was a heartbreaker. And I know John Collins talked to Indiana is you know starting to get a little bit warm. I don't want I don't know if I'd say heating up, but I guess you could. And then all of a sudden he hits the game winner on a tip in, and that definitely is going to intrigue some Pacer fans. But it also hurt a lot because that was a game where you you forced Trey Young to miss. It was like a thirty one foot three pointer, but the Hawks get two offensive rebounds before John Collins seals the deal. Alex, what were your thoughts on the Pacers maybe you know, not necessarily boxing out the way they should have on that final uh, position? Yeah, so I think if you go back and watch, like, Trey Young took a three from super Deep. far out. 
the the Pacers came up to double team him because look, Trey Young, he demands that much attention on the offensive end. So I think because of Trey Young's presence, it honestly allowed for this basket to happen. Now listen to me here on this. They double team him, right? He takes a really long three-point shot. Well, we know that most of the time when you take a long three-point shot, if it's going to be an offensive, if it's going to be a rebound, it's going to be an offensive rebound. And so DeJounte Murray gets it. So now you're still playing helter-skelter, trying to scramble and get back on your defensive assignment. Well, he shoots the ball, obviously, because they got to get the, the ball up, and he misses it. Well, nobody boxed out John Collins because everybody was trying to figure out where they're supposed to go. So, yes, rebounds have killed the Pacers all season long. I'll, I'll put it to you. I'll give it to you there, Fachi. But I just feel like the way the, pr- the play was so broken, it just – it just allowed for them to have an opportunity to have an uncontested shot because when you have two guys guarding the ball, everybody's trying to get back and rotate over. It's just a lot easier to miss an assignment on a box out than when you're just playing straight up. So I think it was the right move to make Trey Young take a really tough shot, but unfortunately, maybe just a little bit too much time left on the clock, and and the, the Hawks were able to get that tip in with 0.7 tenths left of a second. So... I didn't really think it was a bad assignment. I think it was just like, okay, the they were already small anyway without Turner. And, you know, Neesmith is probably uh, one of their better rebounders as well, even for his position. And just just trying to make a play happen on a broken play is very tough. It is. It's just unfortunate because when you look at by the numbers, the Pacers crushed the Hawks into the paint, outscoring them 64 to 40. They beat them on fast break points, 30 to 19. They won the turnover battle. They shot eight more free throws. However, they missed five in in what ends up being a two-point loss. But, unfortunately, just seven of 30 from the three-point line. That is not 2022 to 2023 Indiana Pacer basketball. So, I feel like that was something that was uh, unfortunate because you won in so many categories. But one thing, if I want to say that I liked, was a condensed lineup of just eight Pacers logged minutes. Jalen Smith, O'Shea Brissett, and TJ McConnell off the bench. The three of them combined for 44 points, 23 rebounds, and they shot 17 of 30. They were all positives. And Jalen Smith was actually a plus 17 in 20 minutes of play. I know it's the the knock on the Pacers this year is there's too many guys that need minutes. But when they went with a condensed roster, I liked what I saw, especially out of O'Shea with 17 and 10 off the bench. He deserves a shout out. No, O'Shea was awesome in this game, and I know that – Isaiah Jackson got the podium game, and I know that Isaiah Jackson was getting a lot of love on social media because he had seven blocks, and rightfully so. They were good blocks, and he had 10 rebounds, but it felt a lot different when Jalen Smith was out there compared to Isaiah Jackson, in my opinion, and that's why Isaiah Jackson was a minus 17 and Jalen Smith was a plus 17. I don't really care about flashy blocks as much as I care about being able to stay in front of your man, and I felt like a Kongwu absolutely torched. Isaiah Jackson in the first half, especially second half, they did a better job of containing him. But then like Rick Carlisle said in the post game press conference, after that, they just kind of left Deandre Hunter open all the time. And it was just like, okay, you know, we stopped one thing, but we allowed another thing to get going. So I I like Isaiah Jackson. I think that this was great for him to get out there and start and get it, get him an opportunity to showcase what he can do. But one, I was a little bit surprised that he started over Jalen Smith. I thought they put Jalen Smith into the starting lineup and then put Isaiah as the backup. But maybe because of a Kongu's, you know, ability to be more mobile, that kind of thing, you know, quicker guy, quicker off his feet. Maybe they thought Isaiah Jackson would make more sense. But even Isaiah started against the the Grizzlies, and I was a little bit surprised by that because you know Stephen Adams is a big man. So you know Isaiah Jackson, he's still young, he's still raw, and he's he's got a lot of upside. I mean, ten rebounds is good, seven blocks is insane. But 
You know, it just felt like to me, and I, maybe I'm just being too pessimistic. I just, I just felt like Jalen Smith was the better player there, and I, and I think they should have just rode with Jalen Smith a little bit longer. I know he only played 20 minutes. I would have rather him played about 24 and Isaiah played 24 and split those up because to me, Jalen Smith was the better of the two of the big men. Jalen Smith definitely was. Yes, he doesn't have the, the the seven blocks to add to it or anything like that. But for Isaiah Jackson, who I, I'm definitely excited about, I, I expected a, a bigger jump in year two. I mean, just 5 of 13 from the field for, for Ajax when you know those. It's not like he's attempting any three-pointers or anything of that sort. So, you know, that's a little, that's a little bit tough. But you mentioned Okongu. I mean, 18 points, a career-high 20 rebounds. I mean, yeah. this is a guy that they've been really trying to get more minutes for after being, believe if not a top five pick, I think he was the sixth overall. It was, it was one of the two. But either way, uh, I got it right here, sixth overall. So 20 rebounds for him in that game. I mean, that was a, a big difference. And I, I think that that's a, it's a huge reason why the Hawks were able to really, you know, get this, this win. And it, it's disappointing <laughs> because the Pacers had opportunities. I mean, look at this stretch over here. DeJounte Murray steals the ball, scores, Hawks lead 108-107. Matherin scores uh, with 58 seconds to go. Pacers up 109-108, but he missed the free throw over there. Trey Young hits a three-pointer. Hawks lead 111-109 with 32 seconds to go. But he gets fouled, hits both free throws. You're all tied up at 111 with 21.5 seconds to go. So there were opportunities. The Pacers just could not get the stops when they needed it most. Maybe it came down to just getting one more stop. But for the Hawks, a team that, for the most part, players have, have been there a little bit, that run of the Eastern Conference Finals, this was that win that would have made, you know, would have meant more to the Pacers when they didn't have three of their starters. And unfortunately, I, I think that this was a little bit of a heartbreak that might have carried over into, you know, the Memphis game a mm -hmm. bit. And I don't know if you're ready to get to that or if there's anything else that you wanted to touch on as it relates to the Hawks game. Well, just real quickly, I mean, I think – for this game specifically, Fachi, it felt like whoever got the ball last was going to win the game. Yes, yes. And unfortunately, the Pacers only had seven-tenths of a second at the end of the game to try to get a shot off. And didn't really love the the play attempt there. I know it was to try to get like a tipping or something, but you can still get a shot off with .7 seconds. So, I mean, not complaining. I'm just saying it's just like a tough – it's a tough spot to be in. So, it is. You know, I wish that would have been better, but I, I think we've got to give a, a little bit of a shout-out here to Benedict Mather in 26 points. Nine of 18 from the field, five rebounds, three assists. Probably one of his better games. And I thought as a starter, he really played, you know, collective game. He wasn't really forcing a lot. I think it was eight of 11 from the free throw line. So he did a really good job of just kind of like maintaining this Pacers offense because, you know, there was nobody else really carrying them as the leader, but he kind of took over there in a little couple different stretches and, and really took over. Unfortunately, Chris Duarte in this game, Fachi was bad once again. Could not hit the broad, the broad set of a bar, and he was 2 of 9, 1 of 6 from 3. And Andrew Nimhard was even worse. He was 2 of 16 for this game. So, you know, when both of your starting guards go combined 4 of 25, you're not going to win very many games. So that was tough to see. You know, you love that you said, like, the bench came to life and kind of made up for those those lapses there in the starting five. But, you know, just, just a poor shooting effort from those two guys. And, you know, Nimhard's one of those players that he can impact the game in so many ways. It doesn't really matter how many points he puts on the board. But when you're taking 16 shots, you hope that he hits more than two. It's not like he took a lot of bad shots, in my opinion. They just weren't falling. And I think sometimes that's just how basketball goes. You take good shots, they're just not falling. And got a lot bigger role to, to fill here playing the point guard for Tyrese Halliburton, who's out. And, 
you know, that's a that's a big deal. I mean, it was awesome to see what he did in Golden State, but, you know, we can't expect it to happen all the time. All valid points right over there. Matherin needs the shout-out. We should have probably maybe led with him. Because maybe. The 26 points on 9 of 18 shooting was one of his finest games of the year. I mean, he was uh, a plus 13. He was the only starter that had a positive ratio over there. So positive point, you know, differential. Uh, so that was awesome to see. And I think that, you know, he had had, I don't want to say his ups and downs, but his the 26 points that he scored was definitely his best game in quite some time. Um, and then also when you mentioned Duarte, I tweeted this out. It's actually a really hard thing to do, but he was minus 24 in a two-point loss. Like yeah. at one point he was minus 24 when the Pacers were up two. So yeah. I think that that's really hard to accomplish. And it really shows that he's frustrated and we'll touch on those frustrations in the Memphis game. But also, I mean, Buddy struggled five of 15 and you mentioned Nemhard being two of 16. The fact that he was able to end up finishing as just a neutral, you know, in, in terms of the plus minus scale of just zero shows that he is bringing other things to the table, which is great to see. I mean, he, a good defender, but two of 16, it's hard to win any game when you have someone shoot two of 16, let alone, you know, what you mentioned about the, the, the production from Buddy or maybe lack thereof in this game. So this is this Hawks game, one that you're like, ah, we let one go. But the the next game, it's just one that I want to forget about, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, not a whole lot to say here. The Memphis Grizzlies, they're an incredible basketball team. They have championship aspirations. The Pacers, third game in four nights with no Miles Turner, like you said, and no Tyrese Halliburton. Aaron Neesmith was back for this one, but I'm sorry. But this Grizzlies team had had two days of rest. They hadn't played since Wednesday night. So they come in on Saturday. They're fresh. You know, they're a team that's way more talented than the Pacers are. I think they're second in the East, or second in the West, excuse me, behind the Denver Nuggets. And the Pacers, like I said, were on their third game in four nights with the depleted roster. And a lot of the guys that were not used to playing big minutes played big minutes the night before. So, yes, they're young. I totally understand all that. But it just seemed like, okay, this is going to take a miracle for the Pacers to win. And they would have needed about five miracles to pull this one off last year because the Grizzlies were just faster, stronger, better at every everything you can really think of in this game and that's why they got the big victory 130 to 112 and honestly it wasn't that close it, it really wasn't i mean the grizzlies main stars like your john Morant, desmond bain didn't even play the fourth quarter uh this, this was a game that memphis led by as much as 34 and we talked about it the Pacers kind of just, they kind of ran out of gas i mean yeah. no halbert no turner the third game in four nights like you mentioned i think that this was this was a tall task to begin with but Memphis is like the the model of in a perfect world what you wish the Pacers could be of being that young team that's athletic that's really taking the league by storm and, and we're it, this showed that we're not there yet and I tweeted it out because it was like the Pacers were down by eight after the first quarter but Memphis was ten of ten for the free throw line I remember that this is going to be it's going to be really tough and the Pacers did have a good start to the second quarter where they actually took the lead and i remember thinking like whoa 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 whoa! is this one of those where we really can hang with anyone any night and after the pacers took the lead memphis ended up outscoring the pacers 27 to 11 <laughs> to take a lead of 68 to 52 and they never looked back and it's they didn't just beat us they john moran put together a highlight reel dunk that i do not know when we're going to see the end of and i'm sorry jalen smith that you had to be on the other end of that i want to give jalen credit for going for the block because a lot of times guys just run away 
But that was definitely the talk of the town from last night to even when we're recording it. And I don't know when it's going to end because, I mean, Ja was saying, oh, that might have been one of the best dunks of his career. And, uh, you know, Jalen, I'm sorry, but you might want to stay off social media for just a couple more days. <laughs> yeah, Jalen Smith did not make a, biz- a business decision there. No. And, uh, yeah, unfortunately, he's going to be on the wrong end of the poster for a while. But with that being said, I mean, just – Looking at the starting lineup here, once again, Aaron Neesmith into the starting lineup for Chris Duarte. Chris Duarte goes to the bench. Isaiah Jackson stays at the center position, and he was the only starter to shoot over 50% last night, and he went 5 of 9, so he barely got over. Aaron Neesmith came back 0 of 8 from 3, 2 of 13 from the field. Uh, I will just say this real quick about Aaron Neesmith. It definitely feels like he is a beneficiary of Tyrese Halliburton when he's out there. And I think that the chemistry him and Halliburton have is something that you cannot replace. And so I'll be interested to see how Neesmith shoots the ball without Halliburton out there. But I will give Memphis a lot of credit because they did everything they could to keep Buddy Heald off the three-point line. Buddy Heald, 0 of 3, Fachi from 3. I'm sure you saw this. I'm, I'm, I'm sure you have this, don't you? The last time Buddy went uh, went a whole game without making a 3. Oh, man. I did not see that, but I'm looking at it right now. In terms of this year, it had not happened. Yes. When was the last time, if you are aware? The last time was last season when they played the Memphis Grizzlies. Oh, my God. So it was the the Bally Sports had it. Chris Denary, of course, our guy had it. And I think it was in March when we played him last. I'm not sure. It was one of those 30-point blowouts that we had. John Moran didn't play in either game. But they held Buddy to no three-point shots made. And he went <laughs> the rest of last year and this year before <laughs> running into Memphis again and falling to the same trap. No threes made. Buddy Hill just five points last night. When Buddy Hill is only scoring five points, you know it's going to be a rough night. Yeah, absolutely, dude. I'm looking at that Memphis game now. So he was 0 of 2 last year against Memphis, which already off the bat is not Buddy-like because he has no problem, you know, getting some shots up. And then 0 of 3 this game, it just shows that they, they clamped him down on defense. And – I did have a stat from, you know, last year we played Memphis. Last year, Memphis led by as many as 38 in that game and beat us by 30. This time, uh, they led by as many as 34, and, and I mean, the score was not as close as what the game was. So Memphis absolutely has shown that they are in another league than the Indiana Pacers right now. But we got to give a shout-out somewhere. We got to give it to Chris Duarte, who, who I felt had a, you know, Second best game of the year, third highest oh, scoring total yeah. in his career. There was ups, there was downs, but he needed to see the ball go in the basket, and that is exactly what he accomplished. But before that, Alex, did you get a little bit worried seeing him frustrated, slapping the chair with, with his, uh, I guess, his healthy hand? and yeah, having his hand. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, no, when he did that, I was like, man, he is ticked. And, I mean, it's just been – Honestly, the year from hell for Chris Duarte. It's just not gone like he had hoped for. Even after he hit a couple shots, he took another three with confidence and just slapped the side of the backboard. I'm just thinking to myself, this guy does not look the same whatsoever. And I I was going to ask you this when we brought up Chris Duarte because maybe it's just me with my tinfoil hat on like I always do, but have you been noticing Rick Carlisle every press conference? talking about Chris Duarte. It's just like yeah. they the Pacers shared a clip on Twitter about how Duarte's been going through a slump and how difficult it is to come back. He's probably said that the last like five or six games. 
He did the same thing for all the players that were pretty much traded last year. So I'm just wondering if he's trying to help boost that stock oh, up a little man. bit. Oh, man. Wow. And it was real last year. I mean, yeah. the way he was pumping up Levert, I mean, it was Brogdon <laughs> it was evident. That. And Brogdon for sure. I mean, it was just a matter of time before those guys were on the move. So, man, for Chris, I, I, I'm happy that we get to see him, you know, have a good game like that. But how disappointing would it have been if he hurt his other, you know, if, if he did suffer an injury hitting that chair? And I think at that <laughs> point it would have been like, okay, man, like this is this is not good at all. And like, what, what are we doing here? Because well, uh, I mean, yeah, if he hurt his hand, if he hurt his hand by punching the chair because he was upset, I get it. I mean, everybody's been there that's played basketball at some point when you've dealt with something just out of frustration, ripping a jersey, punching a chair, slamming a water bottle. I mean, it's just a way to let that emotion out because he's finally starting to have a good game and all of a sudden he gets a hand injury. It's just like, are you kidding me? Like, I'm finally about to break free. It's just like after that 30-point game against the Nets, he's starting the next game against the Heat has an ankle injury thanks to Kyle Lowry. So it's just like, I get the frustration. So no, I don't think I would have been mad at him, but I would have just been like, hey man, you know, when that happens next time, just don't take your frustration out with your physical action. Like just do something, scream or something. Yeah, exactly. Slam slam a water bottle or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Just don't punch things, man. I mean, I know it was right there, but it's uh, easier said than done. But we know he's fiery. That's for sure. We've seen Chris Duarte kind of like be a little spitball every once in a while because last year he did it against the Timberwolves when he got ejected, I believe it was. So Mm -hmm. it's – Yeah, yeah. We we know that he's got that little – you know, he sees red sometimes, and I think he had just had enough at that point. No, he really did. And uh, I'm just – I'm glad that he didn't suffer another injury that he's going to miss any time for. Overall, in terms of the starting lineup, really no one to write home about. I'd say coming off the bench – T.J. McConnell, just over the last few games, something I want to highlight. McConnell, since Halliburton went down, that does include the Knicks game. Um, McConnell's averaging 13.5 points, 8.3 assists. He's doing it on 58% shooting and two steals per game in about 25 minutes per game. I love that production that we've seen out of McConnell because I know there's been a lot of guys saying like, oh, get trade him, get him off the team. Guys, not many people have uh, a, a ball handler as experienced as TJ McConnell off their bench, or maybe even you could say even behind a, a Halliburton or a Nemhard to then have TJ McConnell that could step in at any moment. This was a game that basically showed, hey, in the last few games that he's ready when called upon and needed to up his role. He's a true vet. That's the yes. best way to put it. I mean, he comes in, he does his job, he doesn't try to step on anybody's toes, and he knows hey, when Halliburton's out, I got to step up and be more of a vocal leader. When Halliburton's out there on the floor, he, he you know, kind of deflects. He lets Halliburton take control, take charge of the team. This is Halliburton's team, McConnell's understanding of his role, but he also knows that he's got to step up sometimes and be that veteran presence out there and be that vocal leader because, look, as much as we both love Andrew Nimhart, he's not really shown to be much of a vocal leader on the floor. It's more of no. just like a lead-by-example type thing, which is fine. And they've never really asked him to kind of step up and be this major leader. But I absolutely loved what I saw from TJ McConnell over the over the weekend, just stepping up into a role, you know, playing his best. I mean, if you go back and remember the Hawks game, he fouled Trey Young, thinking they had a foul to give, and they did it. And oh, Carlisle was, was like, what happened? And TJ just looks at him and goes, I effed up. I thought we had a foul to give. You know, so it's just like McConnell is able to take ownership of when he messes up and 
he's uh he's accountable to himself and everybody else. And so I really love what McConnell's brought to this team. And yes, it's uh it's easy to overlook his importance when he's not playing great or or putting up great numbers or you know, maybe playing a bit of a different style than the Pacers are currently playing. But I think overall, when you realize his importance to this team, that's when you're like, okay, I uh, maybe I've overlooked or overestimated how much he means to this team and or underestimated how much he means to this team because he really does bring a lot to the table. And it's not always going to show up on the box score, but thankfully the last couple of games it has. No, I could have said it better myself. And look, before we, you know, wrap up this Memphis game. It's it's one that Memphis came in as hot as could be. They're on the NBA's longest current winning streak. It's now nine games. I mean they're they're fighting for the top spot in the West. And man, I mean Memphis has big time aspirations for this year. 70 points in the paint for Memphis. I mean the, the Pacers just overall they looked they looked atrocious across the board. 19 turnovers. I mean 11 of 47 from three. There's so much that you want to just forget about over here. And I know that this would have been an amazing win, but given how shorthanded the Pacers were and how many games they played, three games and four nights, this was such a tall task that I hope that maybe the Pacers can use this as just a reset. And unfortunately, you, you got Milwaukee next. So look, I don't feel great about that one either, but at some point, the losing streak will end. We knew this team was going to go through some highs and lows. We've definitely seen some great highs. This, unfortunately, is definitely going to be classified as one of those lows on the season. Yeah, for sure. And I think if you just look at the roster, no one's really going to care. But now the Pacers have their hands full of and moving forward because not only do they play the Bucks on Monday at a weird time, 2.30 in the afternoon, just be aware of that. It's Martin Luther King Jr. Day. So the NBA will have a slate full of games and the Pacers will be playing at 2.30. I think all the games will start at different times as well. So be on the lookout for that. You can watch it on Bally Sports um, or you can watch it wherever you stream or NBA League Pass, I'm sure. But they got the Bucks. But Woj put out a notification over the weekend, Fashi, and it looks like Giannis will be returning for that game. So, you know, Classic. you think you might get the Bucks without Giannis. Well, think again. Giannis looks like he's going to be returning at home against the Pacers, and the, the Bucks have been a good but not great team since their hot start. They've been about 500 since their really good start at 9-0. So it's not like it's unwinnable, but it's going to be very tough, especially if, you know, uh, Turner's not back. Now, we'll see if Turner plays. It's a probable, I would say, that he plays, but right now we're not sure. And the Pacers start their four-game road trip here, Fachi. Bucks, Thunder, Nuggets, Suns. And that Nugget Suns, that's a back-to-back. So, does not look any easier for the Pacers. No, because even the Thunder used to be uh, an easy, you know, all right, we'll win that one. The Thunder, they're playing the best they've played the last few years, so that's going to be a tough game. They've won five of the last seven, just so you know. Yeah. There's a chance that the Pacers could lose all four of those games. It hurts me to say that, but they very well could. I mean, we, you and I were both personally at the Nuggets game they, they had a shot to, to either win or tie with Turner attempting a three-pointer at the end of the game. And that was that was a game that the Pacers led by, what, I mean, 20, 18 points yeah. in that game? That was a Mather in the second quarter. E- exactly. He was on fire in that game. They still came up short. So without Halliburton, you know, Turner, you assume, is back by then. It, it's still such a tall task. So it, things are going to get a little bit ugly. We're, we're a game and a half up on the Hawks for the ninth spot. And right, or right now we're in the eighth, Hawks in the ninth. 
that lead could disappear within a blink of an eye, but the Pacers just got to stay grounded one game at a time. And that next game is the Bucks. And well, you know, let's just hope for the best. Yeah. I mean, honestly, the Bucks are going to be a fun, fun matchup just because they're so talented and we'll see what happens there. But the Thunder right now, surprisingly, they're 20 and 23, but they're only a half game back of the ninth spot in the Western Conference because Utah has been losing games. The Suns have been losing games. The Blazers have been going on a bit of a skid. And the Lakers, they're 19 and 23. They're already at, they're in the 13th spot. So honestly, it's a big cluster mess up there in uh in the Western Conference. So the, the Sacramento Kings are the four seed Fachi at 23 and 18. So it's uh it's not a lot of great records in the Western Conference outside of the top three, which is New Orleans, Memphis, and Denver. So, you know, anything can happen. And I think that everything being so close makes it hard for teams to really tank. And I think it's going to make it hard for teams to be sellers with how close the, the standings are all across the board. So uh, don't really have anything else to say on this one. Just, you know, it seems like we've got ourselves a, a busy week ahead of some tough basketball games, but the content's going to keep coming, Fletch. I don't know if you want to let people know about the content we have coming out this week. Oh, we have some great stuff for you. So not only are we putting out a mailbag, which we're excited about, it gets even better. Alex, we have... A guy making uh, his second appearance on Setting the Pace. I think you may know him. He goes by the name of Andrew Nemhard. Back on Setting the Pace. Alex, how excited are you about that one? That That's going to be pretty awesome because Andrew Nemhard, I think, deserves all the recognition that he can get. And I think there's a, a good push for us to get him into the Rising Stars Challenge. I think he deserves to be in there. I, he's honestly, in my opinion, been one of the top ten Rookies this season, you could probably even say top eight. I, I I think that he's really showcased what he can do. And obviously, as a starter, he's been on a playoff team as well with the Pacers all season long. So that should speak well for him. And Benedict Matherin right there with him. So why not have his teammate with him? I think that Andrew Nimmar deserves to be in that game. But we're going to have Andrew on, I believe, Tuesday night if everything works out and just get to chat with him about the season, kind of like his goals for the rest of the year and that kind of thing, and maybe get some interesting stories. Hopefully we don't bore him too much with our serial talk like we had last time in the offseason. <laughs> but, you know, I, I think Andrew is going to be an awesome guest to have on, Fudge. He is, but what I'm really excited about is how much the conversation's changed since mm -hmm. the last time we had him on. Because, you know, we you know, we sold him a little bit short. We are like, what, what would you do if the Pacers sent you to the G League to get more playing time? And this guy's a starter now. He's been a starter, and he's excelled. He's had a game winner against the Lakers. He's had some really big games. So I feel like the conversation is going to be completely different than when we had him on in, say, I think it was September. Yeah, for sure. So that's going to happen. And then I won't be able to make it for our Thursday episode, but Michael Scotto will be joining us Thursday. Uh, it'll be Fachi doing a one-on-one -on -one conversation there. And so Fachi will try to get – you know, Michael to to give him all the inside scoop that he has around the NBA. And maybe they'll talk a little bit of Pacers as well as, you know, Fachi and Scotto got to meet up at the Knicks game. And, you know, he was there to see the Halliburton injury. So I think that he'll give a good perspective on that. And he was able to get some video clips of Carlisle in the press conference because for some reason, the Pacers did not upload Rick Carlisle's postgame press conference against the Knicks onto YouTube. So I don't know if that was because of the confidentiality stuff with Tyrese Halliburton. I have no idea, but you know, Scotto was able to get a, a short little video clip out there on Twitter. So uh, I think if there's anybody that's really plugged into the league and knows what he's talking about, it's Michael Scotto. 
Scotto's always got the scoop, so I know he'll be ready. Uh, trade season right around the corner. It is roughly three weeks away, the NBA trade deadline. So I'm sure Scotto's going to be uh, – he's going to be ready with it, with the scoop for us. <laughs> so I'm excited for that one. And, man, Alex, just like you mentioned before, regardless, win, loss, the content is going to keep coming. And I just want to take this moment to thank all of our listeners out there who continue to, you know, with encouragement and support – Push us towards wanting to put out better content, wanting to be able to get players from that we've had on in the past, get them on again, want to get those media members who have the scoop. I mean, we got Jake Fisher coming on later in the month, like whoever is covering the NBA directly. We want to have their insight on our show to be able to give it to you firsthand. So just want to take a moment to thank everybody out there that supported our show. Yeah, and I've actually heard that our last outro of our last episode where we talked about the Jake Fisher stuff might have been the most epic outro ever, thanks to our good friend Rooster on the fan ah. of the week, dropping some bombs there for Fachi. So, uh, you know, Rooster did message me and said, it's all it's all out of love. It's all out of respect. Of course, it's not of out of spite. He said, I'm glad Fachi doesn't take it personally. I said, nah, well, even if, he, that. even if he did, who cares? It's funny. So, <laughs> Oh, my God. Thanks. At least I know I got you uh, having my back, you know? But, <laughs> yeah, uh, Rooster, we appreciate you. And look, yeah, I love it. That's that's also the the highlight of, hey, being the fan of the week. You know, come on. We appreciate you. And, uh, you know, talk your talk, whatever it may be, good, bad, any inside jokes, anything that you like from the show, feel free to have some fun with it. Yeah, throw some jabs at us. We're, we're able to take it. We like yep. it. Um, I usually throw more at Fachi than he throws at me, but – you know, that's just the, sure. that's just the nature of our personalities. Fachi doesn't like to do that, and I love to poke the bear. So uh, with that being said, Fachi, let the people know where they can find us at on social media. Absolutely. So you could find us on Twitter at SettingThePace3. You can find Alex on Twitter at AlexGoldenNBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I. You can find us on Instagram at PacersTalk. You can find us on Facebook, Setting the Pace. You can find us on TikTok at Setting the Pace. And Alex, tell them where they can check us out on YouTube. Yeah, go to YouTube.com slash Setting the Pace, a Pacers podcast, where you can find all of our latest content. Make sure you subscribe to us on there. But, Fachi, if you're excited for the Pacers to hopefully get back on the winning track and shed this losing streak, then hit me with those three words. Let's go, Pacers! Setting the pace, going to the top. Setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast. Sweeping every team. We gon' need a mop. Smooth. Mm-hmm.